Since the beginning of time, civilizations have asked the questions. What is the human soul? How do we know it exists? Do we control our reality? Or are we actually living within a dream? What truly happens when we pass away? Join two of the world's leading experts in higher consciousness, and discover the truth about the soul, and the path to enlightenment. This is, The Living Soul. Thank you for joining The Living Soul. I think a lot of people are wondering, how do we know all this information? Well, we are new to our viewing audience, and this is a brand new show. And our premise is looking at different aspects of the soul, the soul before we're born, the soul during life, the soul after life, and also different supernatural and paranormal phenomena that are related to the soul as it goes through its journey of life. And we're just gonna to talk to people today about our concepts of what happens to the soul before birth. That's the title of this particular show. But there are probably people out there wondering, how the heck do you know what you know? How could anyone know what happens to the soul before birth? Well, there's theories in many different aspects of religion, Christianity, uh, Judaism, Buddhism, Islam, uh, Taoism, all the different aspects. There's hundreds of religions and there's many different aspects of and thought about what the soul is. But before we get to that, let's talk to people about how we know what we know about what we're talking about. I think that's important. Yeah. I think in the, um, in fact, I know that the last show we talked a lot about our introduction, who we were, uh, how we came to this point in our lives and our careers. And I think I had mentioned in, in my story that in 1995, I had an experience that really changed the trajectory of uh, my spiritual beliefs. And I think it's important for people to understand exactly what happened, what could happen to a person that would change their beliefs well, and their foundation. Well, they need to know that you're college educated. Mm -hmm. You went to USC, the USC. Go Trojans. Go Trojans, whatever. <laughs> They need to know that you are a business executive, mm -hmm. that you're a mother of two children, that you've been married, and that you have a very successful business. You are, um, as far as the American dream, you have realized the American dream, but then you started having spiritual experiences that redefined who you are and how you know what you know. That is correct. Uh, like I said in the last show, I had uh, been a Christian for 40 years, so, and I grew up as a preacher's daughter. But what happened to me in 1995, uh, during a time where I was really going through a tough time in my life, I was uh, getting prepared for a divorce. And I guess it was so much of a strain on me that the creator himself decided to come and visit me. Like the creator as in God. As in God. God, God the creator. God the creator. Came to see you. Came to see me. Okay, tell us about it. Okay, well... He came in uh, the form of a golden mist. And in this mist was a telepathic conversation that I had with him. But this mist was filled with a lot of different energy and information, uh, along with just a phenomena of the creator being there. 
first of all, it was filled with love and compassion and joy. And there's no way that you can be inside of this mess and not feel like you're a little baby being hugged very closely by your parent. And during that time, it wasn't a very long visit, but there was a what's called a download where you get a series of information that goes into your your mind, your higher mind, also your unconscious, subconscious, and preconscious mind, uh, that you're not quite sure of the information that's being put there. But as you go through life, it starts to become clear what that information was and how you process it and how you use it in your life. And other times they would have called that a Gnostic experience, a direct experience with the consciousness of the universe that we know as God. You experience a direct conversation with the universe. That is pure Gnosticism. That is. And with that Gnosis came a lot of knowing, uh, a term that you just know things. And that information was put inside of me uh, while I felt like I was being rocked like a baby uh, in the conversation that I had with God. And it took me a few years before I really understood what had occurred between me and the Creator. But I believe that is the reason why my uh, my change in my belief system happened like it did. And I think it's the reason why I was able to accept it. Because a lot of people have phenomenon that happens to them and they're not really sure how to deal with this experience. They don't want to tell people because they're fearful of how people will respond or take that information. Well, our school system in the Western uh, science really teaches us to go to a library, memorize facts, and then go take a test. That mm -hmm. is the epitome of what we call learning. But people like Einstein, people like Edison, uh, many of the greatest scientists and philosophers would sit and do what they call thought experiments, mm -hmm. where they would sit and think about a problem. Mm -hmm. They would think about a question or an idea. And they gave themselves the luxury of letting the universe give them feedback about their thoughts. Mm -hmm. They would, Einstein would sit and he would think for hours, sometimes days or weeks, about one question. Mm -hmm. And how many people were willing to do that? Well, you know, sometimes when I was in school, we were going, especially medical school, we were going through so many things so quickly there were a hundred different times where I thought, I wish I could think about this problem. Mm -hmm. I wish I could study this idea longer. Mm -hmm. I wish that I could take this concept and just take it all the way through instead of just rushing, making sure I pass the test and rushing to the next thought. The concept of gnosis, the concept of divine understanding, the concept of looking at the universe as an entity that we can interact with I think elevates the art of learning. Mm -hmm. It elevates the concepts of understanding information rather than just being factual data that you ingest and then digest and then regurgitate for a test. Mm -hmm. I think there's an elegance that exists beyond the concept of simply doing that and interacting with the universe directly. Mm -hmm. um, there are facts, there are elements of data, there are elements of understanding out there that we can't get to if we don't give ourselves the luxury in just the way that you did mm -hmm. of sitting with the universe mm -hmm. and allowing the universe to interact with us, not only emotionally, but intellectually. I think that's a beautiful example. And that's really the way that we get information. It we is. interact with the universe and we help understand the universe in that way. So we're going to come back 
in a few moments, and we're going to look at some things about what we see happening to the soul before birth. Human birth is one of the most beautiful processes in life. When a child is born, a new life comes into the world. The joy of adolescence and infancy, is one of the greatest treasures and challenges that a person can face. Does life begin in the womb? Or is there something more? Does the soul exist in an alternative dimension that is accessed by the process of birth? Or does the soul exist before birth? The Druids, ancient Taoist, Christians, Hindus, and Buddhist, all have differing ideas and opinions on the pre-existence of the soul. Scientists believe that human life begins in the womb, in a process known as fertilization. But ancient cultures have had many different ideas regarding this process. Ancient Christians believe that the soul exists in heaven, or a heavenly-like state before entering into the physical world. In Judaism, there is a belief that the soul has two parts, a lessened part, and a higher more evolved aspect. The two aspects coexist in the body, and exist before the soul incarnates into physical life. The process of life involves these two different aspects of the soul, attempting to take control of the body. Ancient Egyptians believed that all living things had a car, from plants to animals, all the way up to the gods. Ancient Taoists believed that the soul was an eternal being, and that the conditions of the before and afterlife, were part of a single existence. The Buddhists believe that we have an eternal existence, but not in the idea that we have an eternal soul. There is a connection between all of these belief systems. Something exists beyond the physical self, that we call the soul. And there is an eternal aspect to consciousness, that we can describe as pre-existence of the soul. What happens in the course of life that points to an existence of the soul, before we're born? Welcome back. I hope you enjoyed the video you just saw. I have a question for you. Do you do you believe what they said, or do you have anything you want to add to that? Religion, regardless of what religion you want to look at, 
has a lot of different takes on what happens <clears throat> to the soul before, during, and after uh, the process of birth. Whether you're looking at it from a Hindu standpoint, Buddhist standpoint, Judaism, Christianity, they all have a different angle on what happens to the soul. Some people believe that we don't have a soul. Mm -hmm. Some people believe that the soul exists before birth. Some people believe that it only starts, life only starts once the egg is fertilized by the sperm. And you have to look at what do you really believe? Mm -hmm. Because we can allow scientists to control our belief systems. We can allow our pastor or our rabbi or our priest to control our beliefs. But then I'd like to ask, well, what, what do I believe really about what happens to the soul? Because I believe I have a soul. I believe that I existed before I came into this world. I believe that the memories that I have uh, that don't pertain to this life probably came from somewhere else. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm a trained scientist. I'm board certified in medicine. I have a college degree. I have a medical school degree. I have a residency degree, and I have post-residency training. I also have read probably thousands of books on many different subjects. But the question of where my soul comes from, where did it come from before I was born, it still haunts me. Mm -hmm. Because I don't believe that we are a summation of our thoughts. I believe that the soul has thoughts, it has emotions, it has experiences. that just are not explained by the things we read in books or by the things that other people tell us. I mean, what do you believe? Well, in our last show, we had explained the difference between the soul and the spirit. And what we said was that the spirit is like uh, a cloud and it never leaves the body of God. But what we didn't say is that the spirit actually creates the soul and that soul then kind of takes a review of each lifetime. I happen to believe in reincarnation. So I think the soul goes through a review process and during that process, it decides on the things that it wants to accomplish in this lifetime, what it wants to work on to perfect itself. And I think that's where the soul is predated or pre-existent. And it comes into this world, it chooses uh, a father first, and then it, uh, a mother, and then it somehow gets those two people together. And it helps to form the body of the baby. It doesn't inhabit the baby right away, but as it gets closer to the baby being born, I believe that the soul helps in that process of building the body, building the mind of the child, and then it goes ahead and it takes right around conception, or not conception, but birth. Uh, it goes into the baby's body, and then it starts to control uh different aspects of the body, and it continues to do that as you get older and older and older until you leave this world for what, another life. What you just said reminds me of the uh, brilliant work by a psychiatrist by the name of Ian Stevenson. Mm -hmm. And in his work, he talked a lot about the research that he did with thousands of people all over the world. And in his research, he found that there is a science behind the concept of being born, that we exist not only in this life, but we exist in other states of being before we come to this world. Mm -hmm. And I think when we come back, we'll discuss some of the work that he found, some of the facts that he found, and some of the things that are consistent from one life to another, birthmarks, reincarnation, the signs that come into the world before we are actually born. And so we'll just look at some of those things and talk about them when we come back. Okay.
there was a researcher by the name of Ian Stevenson who passed a few years ago, who has done probably some of the most brilliant work that we found on the concept of reincarnation and does the soul exist before it goes into the body. And in his research, he studied different cultures all over the world. He's probably the first person to do this amount of exhaustive research. And he called his book or his work Reincarnation in Biology. And it points to several points that really outline the fact that the soul may indeed exist before mm -hmm. it goes into the body. And there are several seminal areas that we're going to talk about that he discovered. For one, uh, people tend to remember other lifetimes. Whether mm -hmm. you are Christian or Hindu or Buddhist, or whatever, there are tens of thousands of people that he has discovered all over the world, if not millions, that can remember being in another body and another life. Well, one of the things that uh, parents need to know, and that is children tend to remember their previous life. And sometimes you hear them talking to an imaginary friend or uh, they're talking about something that they remember and they're very serious about it. It's very uh, intense for them when they're talking. They're passionate about a life that they just lived. And most parents, especially in the Western world, want to kind of silence the child or tell them that that didn't happen or uh, kind of beat them out of it without physically hurting the child. But they just kind of ignore what the child is saying. And, and if you would take the time to really listen to what your son or daughter is saying to you, you would get a better idea of, of the life that they probably just lived that's very close and they probably remember it better than this one because they're usually two to four years old. In this work that Stevenson found, who actually is a board-certified board psychiatrist as well, he found that people, when they remember, these children remember these other lifetimes, they didn't even accept their present parents as their real parents mm -hmm. because they still had such strong memories of their parents before this particular lifetime. Another thing that he discovered is that people, the soul would come to their parents before they were even born and tell them, you're going to be my mommy in my next lifetime. You're going to mm -hmm. be my daddy or come to a relative or in many cases come to an elder. And then the elder would go to the mother or the father and tell them, you're getting ready to get pregnant and this is going to be your child. That happened to me, actually. Uh, one of um, my first husband's uh, aunts had a dream that uh, I was going to have a child. And, you know, at that time, I didn't think I could have children. So I mm -hmm. just thought, well, you know, she got this one wrong. But, you know, shortly after that, my beautiful son came and, and asked me to be his mother. And uh, I remember a dream like that where uh, he came to me and says, will you be my mother? And of course, I was ecstatic. I always wanted children. So, yeah, I wanted him. But about a year later, I found out that I was pregnant with him. So he came to you in a dream. What did he look like in the dream? He looked a lot like he turned out to look. Uh, a younger version of a male of me. He looked a lot like me. And to this day, he still looks a lot like He still me. looks like a handsome mm -hmm. young man. Mm -hmm. Very handsome young man. So I know that that is true. And I've heard of a lot of people who've had similar experiences where someone uh, in the family will say, hey, I had a dream about so-and-so. And usually it's a, like a fishing dream, and uh, the cork goes under the water, and then they pull up a fish, and that fish is supposed to be uh, reminiscence of you having a baby. So that's that happens a lot. Another thing that he discovered or found in his research is that quite often people are marked by one lifetime going into another lifetime by things that happened before they were born. 
They remember being shot. And when they come into the world, there's a shot or a scar on their bodies that looks like an old gunshot. Mm -hmm. Or they have a mark or a scratch or something on their body. In some cases, in some cultures, this was done deliberately. Mm -hmm. uh, for instance, by uh, a tribe called the Igbo. In Nigeria. In Nigeria, mm -hmm. that's right. Mm -hmm. Repeater children are children that tend to be born and they only intend to live for a few years mm -hmm. and then die and come back and keep doing that over and over. Well, the Igbo found a way to mark these children mm -hmm. so that when they die, they come back into the world with a specific mark for a specific family. And when the child is born, they know that this is an Igbo, this is a repeater child, mm -hmm. and we need to watch this child so this child doesn't try to slip back out of the body and come back in that way. And generally, when, when a person is born with a mark on their body, some kind of, we call them birthmarks, uh, it's indicative of, of what happened to you in your previous life. And if you study it, you will find out if whether or not you had the gunshot wound. Mm -hmm. I know that I have a pretty big birthmark on my leg, so I don't know what I did. Yeah, that looks like a shotgun wound <laughs> yeah. on your leg. But you were I was born trying with to it. get away. Where'd you get a shotgun wound before you were born? I, but you know. You know Huh. It happens. It does happen. I remember in one of the cases, I read Stevenson's work, and in one of the cases, a young boy, when he was about four or five years old, started talking about having been killed with an uh, axe wound to his head. Hmm. And in the, boy, in the boy's life, there was actually a birthmark that looked like a hideous wound that had been to his head. But the really interesting thing about this particular case is the boy remembered who killed him, mm. and he remembered where his body was buried, mm -hmm. and he remembered that his body had not been found. Hmm. So he, when he got to be a certain age, he convinced his parents, after talking with them for a very long period of time, to go to a place that he remembered where the body had been buried. And when they went there, this happened in India, they found the body. Mm -hmm. It was still there. And they also found, oddly enough, that the person had been killed by an axe wound to the skull. And the axe wound in this body skull coincided exactly with the axe wound of the boy, or the birthmark that the boy still had. So he really told them what had happened to him, and he told them that it wasn't a fantasy, and he proved that his body, the body that they had found, was in the place where he remembered. This could easily be another show, because <laughs> there's so much information on the soul. And what we said is that the soul does pre-exists. There's pre-existence of the soul. The soul has an opportunity to make its choices uh, as it goes through each incarnation, but it chooses things that it wants to work on. And hopefully by the time you finish our series of shows, you'll know a lot more about the soul. Thank, Thank you, you for, for joining, joining us. us.